Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Yo, yo, yo. You're now locked into this Norwich podcast, episode 314. I hope you're good. In fact, happy new year to you all. And of course, a very late Merry Christmas. I hope you've had a great time with your friends and family. Hope you got some good gifts. And I hope you have a very fruitful 2024. So more money, more success, good health for you, you and your friends and family good social life, holidays, gifts, eating out, everything that makes you happy, I hope that is in your destiny for 2024. Now, make sure you're following me on the socials, underscore nomics on Twitter, as I'm going to be speaking a lot about politics, economics, naturally. And if you like sports, you know, I dabble in sports, <laughs> dabble very heavily, very heavily, shall I say, and obviously a bit of fashion, a bit of music, a bit of food, a bit of bands. Um, Dissonomics on Instagram, as well as Dissonomics Pod. And obviously, Dissonomics on YouTube, and I promise this year, man, on YouTube. I, I had to spend money on equipment to make sure I do it. So, it's quite hard being a one-man band, but I need to stop being a bum. But yeah, so, that's all the social stuff out of the way. So, as you probably guessed by the title, we're going to be speaking on what's happening in the Middle East. Specifically, Israel's invasion in Gaza, and their clashes with Hamas, and obviously, the people of Gaza. But... There's going to be two pods going on. I want to try to keep a balance of like economics and finance with politics, current affairs. But the weeks might dictate it might be two of one or two of the other. All right. So I know you've probably seen the news today as I'm recording, which is Wednesday, the 3rd of January 2024. There was a terrorist attack so far. That's the that's the word in Iran. Over 100 people killed. This was around commiserations at the tomb of um, the former Iranian general Soleimani who was assassinated I believe four years ago by Israel um, and then obviously like a day or two before uh, another assassination of a Hamas official quite high up I can't remember his name off the top of my head I'll, speak on, I'll clarify it in a bit um, in Beirut which is like a, a serious thing like it's Israel don't really go into Beirut we've seen Israel deny it very very terribly but America have already said it was them and it's kind of obvious. So there's going to be a lot of unrest in the region in the next few weeks and months. And in my opinion, the prospect of a wider war is not too out of out of reach, out of scope. So there's going to be a lot of talk about this. And of course, you can rely on me to keep you abreast. I'll be posting on Twitter. 
Um, I might even join threads. Um, I always, I always share my tweets on Twitter, onto Instagram for those who just follow me on Instagram. And of course, you're gonna have the Dishonest Pod and Dishonest YouTube. Do you get what I'm saying? So, yeah. So this week's episode, we're gonna be talking about is Israel actually losing the war on Hamas? The answer, in my opinion, is yes. How and why is Israel failing its primary objective? If that is its primary objective. We're going to discuss that after a quick ad break. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Firstly, um, I think it's best to do a super quick recap of what was the lead up to this latest installation of Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And that was our Alaska floods, as this, as um, coined by um, Hamas. This, is, this happened on October the 7th, where... Hamas, Islamic Jihad and other Palestinian militant resistance groups crossed the Gaza border with aim to achieve its objective. So what were the military objective? The military objective was to take out the forces around the region, um, capture bases. They took out the communications. And it's, what is so mad is they didn't have the maddest technology, you know. Like, bro, man were in pickup trucks, paragliders, armed with AK-47s and a couple RPGs. It wasn't like... Do you know what I mean? Like the maddest tech, but they got the job done. Do you know what I'm saying? And their objective was, of course, of course to um, take out the Israeli forces and take hostages to bargain them for Palestinian hostages slash prisoners. Now, this came at great cost to civilian life. So far, the figures show 695 civilians were killed. So let me give you a quick breakdown and catch up. Initially, it was reported it was 1,400 people died. That's what the Israelis were reporting. But they mistaken 200 bodies to be from Hamas. Um, I mean, Israelis, but they were actually Hamas because they were so badly burnt. And I'm going to really get onto the breakdown of this stuff on another pod, but not this one. So stay tuned for that, right? And then the other numbers were military and police forces that were taken out that day, right? So... Obviously, we've seen just horrifying scenes of civilians being killed, which is completely and utterly tragic. But there is still debate on the ratio of deaths administered to the Israeli civilians from Hamas and the other resistance groups or from the actual IDF who were firing tanks into buildings and helicopter raining down fire on the film festival and, of course, in the kibbutz. So that's still all up in the air. But that was the initial spark in this latest installation of conflict. So Israel engaged, declared war on Hamas, right? Declared war on Hamas. These were Israeli objectives to completely eradicate Hamas, to take out three key Hamas figures and to retrieve hostages. This was the military objectives. Now, Israel never spoke of a real political objective, right? Because 
the reigning government, which is the Kud Party, which has coalition with all types of whack, far-right, neo-Nazi, right, whack jobs, never really have a political solution. Their whole thing is that they just don't want Palestine to be a state. That's really their thing. But they didn't really divulge a plan for the day after. But now we're starting to see the day after, they just really just want to get rid of all the Gazans and just basically move Israeli people into there. But that, again, that would be another point. So, why is it difficult to win this war? Well, the Israeli objectives were this. Take out Hamas's top dons, completely eradicate Hamas, and retrieve hostages. They have not taken out any of the three main dons. They have retrieved one hostage, but they killed three themselves. Right? And they have not eradicated Hamas whatsoever. Whatsoever. Hamas is still in charge uh, because we still got the Hamas run health ministry. They're still involved in aid, according to Israelis. Um, and they're still able to fire rockets and fight all the time. Right? So Hamas are still very strong. And what is super interesting, yeah? Super, super interesting today is that literally just before I recorded this, on my way to football, I saw, where is it? Um, John Kirby, um, I think he's the head of US National Security Council, I believe stated that Hamas can't actually be defeated. That's... <laughs> After saying, what Hamas, here's bear, bear bombs... Here's bare money. You're going to defeat Hamas. Oh, they did this. Here's, here's their tunnels. Oh, they've got... um, They've got... They're using human shields. They've got bases here, bases there. We're taking out Hamas. We're doing a good job. Now you're saying you can't defeat them. So, why is it why is it difficult to win this actual war? Well, one, Hamas is a militant resistance group governing Gaza. But it's also an ideology. Right? So people who listen to some of my previous pods have heard me speak on social media. Um, Hamas actually origin was actually from a charity that was doing a lot of good work in the region. Providing medicine, providing education, so on and so forth. But Hamas was born simply out of pure anger and rage that the people of Palestine were consistently being oppressed and every time there seemed to be peace deals, it was the Palestinians are making heavy concessions for example, in the Oslo Accords, the Palestinians were basically were willing to agree to basically saying that Israel have no fault for anything that happened prior. To get what? Nothing. Literally nothing. If anything, they are losing more land almost every year. Right? So naturally, you're going to see these type of groups because people are losing family members all the time. So you can destroy Hamas technically. But by bombing and occupying Palestine, there's going to be a different version of what Hamas stands for within years. Even if all 30,000 alleged soldiers are captured or killed, there's going to be another resistance group because they're being occupied. The issue here is that although Israel has bigger capabilities and can inflict damages on Hamas, the Hamas soldiers are not afraid to die. And they are fighting for their country. So this is very difficult because you can't really break morale for people who are fighting for their country. Right? 
as we've seen in Vietnam, as we've seen in Ukraine. It's very difficult. And there's only so much Israel can do before the international community eventually shuts it down. As ridiculous as this may sound to you today, people, and as long as it's taken these bums to start doing stuff, we've seen South Africa submit an 84-page document to the ICJ, International Court of Justice, which was backed up by um, the people of Malaysia. We've had Spain today come out and condemn um, some of the things, the genocidal rhetoric being spouted by the Israeli ministers. The internet, many people in the national public are starting to really take issue with the behaviour of Israel. Right? So, Israel don't have enough time to really get to grips and they're taking losses. And bearing in mind, President Biden allegedly gave them a deadline of, no, you've got a few weeks to wrap this grant operation up and go to more targeted and lower, lower impact military activity to minimise the risk of death from civilians because you've already killed over 21,000. If you look at the start of October, from October the 7th, October the 8th period, time period, to now, Israel has lost tons of international support. They've lost tons of public support in major Western places because we are seeing what they're doing for the first time. The world is seeing what they're doing in HD. In HD. Thanks to the social people and social media because the mainstream media have really struggled. Also, what Israel have come to find out is that the Hamas tunnel network is way more extensive and complicated than even the Israeli intelligence indicated. Remember, they have very, very good intelligence. They've got, obviously, local intelligence, and if they've got surveillance, planes going up and down non-stop, they have not managed to locate hostages at all. And what has been said is that the way the, the tunnels were engineered is that if you capture one, it's not going to like give up all the other ones and they've barely managed to capture that many so israel has kind of had two different phases in the war so far we had the initial phase from the iaf which is in israeli air force of load of bombing which was quite frankly horrifying as well as of course the ground offensive which i'll go into in depth later so we're going to discuss the nature of the israeli airstrikes and how horrific it was and what it achieved after this break The Israeli Air Force have dropped over 29,000 bombs during the first six weeks of the war. 29,000, right? This is absolutely unprecedented for one city. If you look at the United States, they dropped 29,199 bombs during the entire Iraq war in 2003. So throughout the whole 2003, in the whole country, not one city, the size of Glasgow, Israel have dropped 29,000 bombs. And what's worse is that over 50% of these bombs are unguided dumb bombs. What does that mean? These bombs, they're not strategic where you're targeting somewhere. You, you just drop them and it collapses anything within a particular radius, right? And most of these bombs are the large ones. So they drop in 2,000 pound bombs, not 2,000 pounds in Great British pounds. I mean, 2,000 pounds is in LBS, the weight. And these bombs are so deadly, yeah? So once the bomb hits the ground, within a 1,000 feet radius, yeah? Lethal fragments can hit you. So basically, you could be the equivalent of three full-size football pitches away from one of these bombs 
and be wounded or killed. So tell me how this is taking into account civilians. Let's say it is one of the Hamas officials or fighters in one area. Should people 333 yards away die because of that? Apparent. So far, over 21,000 people have killed and at least 60,000 people wounded. And these are serious wounding. I mean, talking people losing limbs. Yeah? Like, it's losing... Ugh, bro. Like, if you see the scenes every day, babies crying, blooded, smoke all over them. Little do they know that these little two, three-year-old kids have lost their siblings and their parents. This is what Israel's doing. On purpose. Because if you drop an unguided bomb, that's on purpose. And they get these these targets from their algorithms, right? This is this is the word on the road. <laughs> so far, nearly one half one fifth, I mean sorry, one fifth of all the buildings in Gaza have been destroyed. Eighty five percent of the two point three million population has been displaced so imagine basically um the majority of birmingham homes being out of their homes being homeless and remember because of all these bombings there's no good water source there's there's a lack of food yeah hospitals have been taken out yeah like and because there's water contamination and everything the conditions are bad diseases are spreading so even though 21,000 people have died, we're not even including the people in the rubble. We're not even including people with serious injuries that are going to eventually die, unfortunately. We haven't even hit the people dying because of humanitarian reasons. Starvation, sickness. Israel have a lot of air power. They have a highly sophisticated level when it comes, but when it comes to the ground operations, it's way, way more difficult. They found it very difficult to deal with Hezbollah or Hamas in the ground during warfare in Lebanon. And it becomes even more difficult if the fighting happens on the ground. That's why you don't really see them go on the ground. Right? And what's interesting is that there is also suspicion that Hezbollah have de developed a similar network tunnel like what we see in Gaza towards the south of Lebanon, which of course is north of Israel. The reality is so a lot of these modern Western armies, right, fighting any type of guerrilla war in an urban environment with bare ruins coming like Call of Duty maps is super difficult. Like, I've seen a lot of, every day I'm seeing the videos of the Hamas fighters. Man are in jeans and tops firing RPGs from the most obscure angles and the Israeli tanks can't see it coming. They cannot see it coming. So I was looking at the words of Yitzhak Brik, a major general um, reservist in, in the Israeli army and a former ombudsman for the from the occupation forces. And he raised Hamas about Hamas months ago, right? And this is interesting because Egypt warned them three days before and America said they got intelligence that they've been doing this. And apparently, according to intelligence, that Hamas were openly training for this mission which is a big big humongous security failure from the israelis right so let's get back to the words of the general 
The general warned several months ago that the country should be prepared, should be prepared for a multi-front war due to activities on the Lebanese border and what's happening in Gaza. But the establishment dismissed those claims. The Netanyahu government believed that missed, oh, um, the Hamas, Hamas were heavily deterred, which is wrong. He said that Hamas was more equipped than people thought with fighters who would cross the border on foot and attack with the aim of conquering settlements and taking back Palestinian land. He argued the military has become too heavily reliant on air warfare and they're ill-equipped to win the war and fight effectively on the ground. He also said that they've become a one-dimensional army that can't win a war with air force alone. It's super interesting because his analysis has proven to be spot on so far in the first 12 weeks of this war. He said that Israel relies too much on technology, the algorithm, which isn't enough to win this war. What's interesting is that although Israel could really inflict its air superiority on Gaza, it's not quite the same in Lebanon. Former Israeli Air Force Chief Major General Amikan Mokin warned in 2022 that the country no longer has the unfettered superiority of freedom of action in the Lebanese skies. Hezbollah has started to manufacture its own drones. So Hezbollah is the militant group in Lebanon. They have way more, almost probably four times, at least four times the amount of fighters. No, at least double the amount of, maybe double, triple the amount of fighters that Hamas has. And way more artillery, technology, and mouse. Now we're going to get into the ground offensive which is what we've been seeing and how it has been a failure in its entirety. Even a department, even a department within the Israeli Minister of Defense, which deals with rehabilitation, reported different figures to the ministry, given a figure of direct of 5,000 injuries, whereas the official line was closer to 2,500. Israel, naturally in warfare, has been severely underreporting and really failing to acknowledge in the way they report the length and depths of the casualties that they are taking. According to the Rehabilitation Department, over 2,000 military personnel have been registered as disabled since October the 7th, with 58% of those it had treated suffering from severe injuries to their head, to their hands and feet, which is a lot higher than official figures. This means that these men can't be redeployed. There is a big difference between the numbers the military is releasing and reality. So Israeli um, paper Haaretz looked into the report in terms of levels based on casualties in the actual Israeli hospitals. So they asked them what were the military casualties. Data from, data from the hospitals gathered by Haaretz shows that the number of wounded soldiers is 3,117, which is twice as high as the army's initial numbers. For example, Bazar Medical Center in Ashkelon alone treated 1,949 injured soldiers since October 7th, whereas the army reports a total of 1,593 wounded soldiers. So one hospital has treated 400 more than the overall total according to the Israeli army. The math ain't mathin' fam. 
Also, the number of wounded only includes soldiers in the army and excludes wounded security personnel, such as special reconnaissance fighters and members of SWAT units, the police, border police, Shimbet, and emergency rescue units. So Israel are kind of playing, kind of loose the numbers, obviously, for PR and propaganda reasons. So right now, there is still fighting active in Khan Yunus, southern Gaza. And this is proven to be very difficult for the Israelis and they've even sent their elite force to Godin, or is it Golovin? Or Go- Godin forces. And low-key, their man's heads are getting slapped. In terms of the total number of deaths since October 7, the total number is believed to be 506. Israel claimed that 18 soldiers have been killed by friendly fire, 11 by weapons and equipment malfunctions, which is pretty embarrassing. But again, these numbers are probably higher than we know so far. The ground offensive has not gone good. And because of Hamas fighters, and um, so the Qassam Brigade and other Islamic resistance within the region fighting Israeli forces, they are actually documenting what they're doing and posting it on Telegram. And obviously this is coming to social media. So it's got to a point where now Israel are actually having to report more of their deaths. And what I've been seeing is, none of the TikTok videos you see of Israeli uh, forces, some of them kind of doing quite distasteful and disgusting things, like sleeping in the beds of like, sleeping in families' beds that are vacated and then blowing up the houses, laughing, mocking, raising their flags and all that type of stuff. I'm not going to lie. Bear of the man have been getting clapped, fam. <laughs> they have been taking these guys out. And I've been watching the videos every day. And it's just mad. You are seeing Israeli forces with all their gear, their Call of duty S guns, their tanks, are getting their head slapped by a man in jeans and T-shirts. Hiding in buildings, sniping them. So I was watching um I would watch one of the videos that release and they've got like under in obviously in their tunnels they they they've been manufacturing weapons, they're manufacturing snipers, they've managed to reverse engineer RPGs, which are the rocket launchers. So with Israeli tanks, the way the shells work is that it blasts inwards, not meant to blast outwards. So it kind of basically pierces hot through the tank and obviously destabilizes the tank and obviously severely damages or kills the people inside and that's what we've been happening these tanks cost like four to seven million dollars and they're getting smoked every day smoked we're even seeing videos of these fighters they're actually crazy crazy brave they are running to the tank slapping a like a, a bomb explosive on it running back and then detonating it crazy crazy we're seeing men get there was one one of the like key points that show like how badly the israeli forces are doing with the hamas fighters is in one of the towns that they say they've already conquered 10 israeli um, forces were killed in an ambush and they called for backup and the backup came then the people came with backup they got ambushed and they called for rescue and they got ambushed again <laughs> they got ambushed three. They got ambushed three times. So I'm watching this stuff. That I can see it with my own eyes. And what we're seeing, what is so interesting, is that the IDF propaganda, the views that they're posting, is so funny, bro. They are shooting at walls. It's insane. 
I don't know how they're not embarrassed because they're soldiers. So I'm assuming they're meant to be tough men, but they are legit shooting at wolves. You don't see them actually, you don't really see videos of them in combat. You see some videos of them pointing their guns and firing shots out in the open. Bro, if you're really fighting combatants, you won't be out in the open like that. It's it's really, really poor. Then you've got the I then you got um Hamas, the Al Qassam brigades, and um really showing people getting sniped, people getting RPG'd, people getting shot. It's crazy. And then there was even reports from Harats that Harats that psychiatrists are getting out of the country because the workload is too much from dealing with soldiers coming back from war and they're crazy going nuts i'm not sure how true that is that sounds so far-fetched but like that's an interesting tidbit and we're seeing videos i saw a video of like like israeli forces under immense fire and they were literally crying and screaming which is a very far cry from what we've seen from the um kassam fighters again that's what i said at the top of the podcast these men are fighting for their lives they're fighting against oppression. They're fighting against colonialism. They are fighting against genocide. And they do not want their, their people to be removed forcibly. They're sick of seeing their brothers, sisters, aunties, uncles, girlfriends, wives, cousins slaughtered. They're, they're not going to surrender. They keep going to keep going. Now, Israel claim they've killed 8,000. I'll be shocked if it's even half that. Sounds like Big Cat. They don't really... And how... Should I tell you how I know it's Big Cat? It's because... One, I'm very smart. Two, I look at the news. And it's a thing called deductive reasoning. So, if my girlfriend comes home and her hair's soaking wet, her jacket is wet, her bag's wet, her face is wet, I'm going to deduce that it was raining outside. Common sense, right? Now, let me show you how this works. For my deductive reasoning... Israel is getting absolutely annihilated PR-wise. Annihilated. Because what it, and it's hard to win the PR war when you're doing committed genocide, ethnic cleansing, and just acts of barbarism. And you are a far-right evil government. So they need to justify to the international community that they are blowing up schools, mosques, and most importantly, hospitals, because there is either Hamas fighters there in their dozens, or army bases Hamas operation centers they have failed to show that and if they did have it they will show us remember every day there's reports and people are speaking about tw- how many Hamas no, sorry how many Gazans have been killed innocent men women and especially children the people do not like crimes against children and women and this is what's got people's attention. Because when you say they're killing children, you can't argue against that. Right? So, if they knew how many Hamas fighters and the number was loads, they'll be quoting that every day. And trust me, I watch all their spokesmen. They do not. And when they get pressed, they try to avoid the question and then they throw numbers out via sources. So what's happening now? They're withdrawing. They are withdrawing thousands of forces from Gaza. Now, it does not mean they're going to stop fighting in Gaza. There's still going to be forces there. They're still going to be fighting on the ground. And they're probably still going to be aerially bombarding. They're doing it today. 
disgusting. But I think this is a sign of defeat. Because their heads are getting slapped. Israel announced on the 1st of Jan 2024 that they were withdrawing thousands of soldiers from the Gaza Strip. Israel has been under increasing pressure from USA and the international community to move into a lower intensity war, and that's what they're doing now. So far, they've taken out five brigades to for training and rest. Israel's lost this war so far. You can see it. They look deflated. <laughs> they're removing forces. Even the USA are indicating that they can't defeat Hamas. There's a lot of nasty work going on. Hamas continues to exist. They still politically recognise. Bro, they were involved in the indirect negotiations in Qatar, which led to exchange of hostages and a week's worth of ceasefire. And there were actually ongoing negotiations, again, which have now been paused by Hamas, obviously due to the assassination of one of their comrades. According to leaked intelligence from Israeli, US, Arab and Russian sources, the estimate Qassam Brigade strength, which is obviously the military of Hamas, between 30,000 and 45,000. And I find it quite interesting that they always quote the 30,000 number, not the 45, or anything in between. Even the most cautious analysts believe that before the war, the force can count at least 18,000 well-trained, disciplined and ideologically highly motivated first-line first-line soldiers in the ranks. And everything above being second echelon. So these men were ready. And they seem ready from what I see. Israel claimed they've killed 8,000. Probably not even half of that. Institute for Study of War, an influential world-informed US think tank, estimates that 26 of 26 to 30 battalions of fighters, which believed to exist on October 7, each having 400 to 1,000 men, only three have been rendered inoperable or civilian parlance or destroyed. So the majority of the battalions are still active. And a lot of that there of these battalions, I mean, not a lot, some of them, Israel has, have managed to kill their heads in airstrikes. But usually the thinking is that once you kill the head of like a group, they won't be able to organise. But seemingly, the, the machine keeps on operating calmly. They haven't missed a beat. The Hamas military has proved extremely effective. All units whose commanders have been killed have nevertheless continued to fight under their jeopardies. Also, after brigades where, you know, um, their strength has been reduced, they still continue to fight. And either they fight alone or they just join other units. So even though Israel were able to rely on their top intelligence to kill five battalion commanders in air raids, the Hamas resistance has not missed a beat. Wherever Israel finds tunnel entrances, they've been destroying or blocking them. But it's a clear there's a clear sign that Hamas maintains enough underground facilities to move forces between front lines and su- and surprise the enemy by flanking often. They do, they're doing it every day. So the tunnel system is in full effect. What's interesting is that there's 12 other armed groups from different political and ideological uh, ideological blocks. Islamic Jihad is one of the main ones. And what's interesting is that um, 
another group which is which is you wouldn't expect it to be associated with Hamas is Al Aqsa Martyr Brigades. This is the armed wing of the rival Fatah, um, which obviously would have, which is linked to the Palestinian Liberation um, Organization (PLO). Despite their political differences, they fight in coordination and largely under the general command of the Qassam Brigades because it's for the best interest of Palestine. So despite their differences, they're united in their resistance against the occupying forces, which is the IDF. Israel has still failed to reach three of their hit lists. Um, DF, which is the head of the military wing, an engineer who's the mastermind behind a lot of their bombs and their weapons program. Um, Ease Eldin, which is Al Qassam's brigade's chief, who's the second in command to DF. And... Yaya Sinwa, who is the leader of Hamas in Gaza. I remember when Israel made a big song and dance of there around Sinwa's house, but obviously he's not going to be there, geniuses. And they've still been able to get cracking in Gaza. There's still several hostages around. They have not been able to locate these hostages. They have not been able to take out the key commanders. And majority of the Hamas forces are in good health and still fighting. And the maddest thing about them is that they are engineering their own weapons. They've become smart in developing their sniper rifles, their RPGs. And with these weapons, they're proven to be effective. They're using uh, mortar shells, um, which is like an airstrike. And also, they are setting booby traps in tunnels and in dilapidated buildings, whether it be schools, houses. And what they've also been doing is... Enemy, which is obviously the IDF's um, art- um, Air Force artillery that did not detonate, they have turned them into mines. So it's been a very, 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 very difficult time for the Israeli forces. And that's why they lost. They have lost the ground war with Hamas. They're not going to be able to take out Hamas. That is why they went back to the negotiating table sending Mossad agents to Qatar to speak to intermediaries with Hamas because they're going to lose. And from the information that I've been seeing, obviously I'm a big researcher and I look at the news everywhere, the initial demands was, okay, cool. We swap the hostages, we end the war, but Hamas is not, cannot be part of anything to do with Gaza. Hamas obviously said no. And the thing is, their belief in their own place of strength, although what Israel is doing to the people is gaining more international pressure on them and in the actual ground war they're not doing too shabby and Israel is becoming increasingly distracted with Hezbollah battling them on the north and many believe that Israel are kind of withdrawing forces to move to the north so yeah it's, it's, it's looking kind of spooky it's looking very very spooky for Israel um, so it's going to be interesting to see what they do now or what spin they have they're going to put on it they got punched up by Hamas and it's so funny to that all these people from the American officials to the British officials Israeli officials so on and so forth the idiots on TV the, the bunch of idiots on Piers Morgan show and LBC chatted shit about how the issue has to keep going to remove Hamas you can't remove Hamas they're too patterned and people keep speaking about, oh, they use Qatar's money, Iran's money, international aid's money. Israel helped facilitate Qatar, I mean, Qatar paying these men. 
Benjamin Netanyahu said it himself. Even up to as recent this week, I'm not sure if it is Smotrich, the finance minister, or Ben Gavir, the national security minister, spoke of Hamas also being an asset. They're still saying this in front of you. Do you get what I'm saying? But anyway, man, that's it for this week's pod. Um, well, this midweek pod. I'll be back again on Thursday. I mean, not Thursday, sorry. Next Thursday. But of course, Monday morning, another pod. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Until the, until the next week. Peace. Sports Social Podcast Network.